All right. So this morning I said I'm going to do a little devotional, but before I start that, let me pray and have a time of prayer. Dear God, I just want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for the songs that you've given to us that we sang. Thank you, Father, for the joy you put in our hearts at this time of year. I pray, Father, that you will uh, be with us in this hour, that you will guide us. Help, Father, to, I pray, Father, that you will use me and give me the words to speak and that uh, people will have the ears to hear what your word says. Thank you, Father, for everything that you're continually doing for us. So I want to pray all of these things, and in Jesus' name, amen. So um, I entitled this morning, God's Love, and it's all wrapped around these candles down here. So we lit the candle of love this morning, and it's all about God's love and the things that God did for us at this time of year. So I have six passages that we're going to read through this morning, and they're all reminders about what God's love is and why God loves us so much. Because if you didn't realize, God loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. I mean, that's why we're celebrating Christmas, right? We're celebrating Christmas because Jesus came as a baby. So the first one we're going to end up doing is Psalms 89, verses 1 through 4, and then 19 through 26. So take your Bible. I don't have any of these slides, anything up on the slides, so you're going to have to open your Bible and read it. So Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4, and then 19 and 26. I'll give you just a second to get there. I cheated. I bookmarked them all this morning, so I don't have to look, look, look through them up. All right, Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4. It says, I will sing to the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your, of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your, unfa- your, un- your faithfulness is an enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your des- descendants as kings forever. I will sit on your throne from now until eternity. And then skipping to verse 19. Long ago you spoke in a, v- a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king. I have found your servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand, and with my powerful arm I will make him strong. He, his enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him and by my authority he will grow in power. I will extend his rule over the sea, his dominion over the rivers, and he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. So this is where David is given to God that he is going to be king, and that his kingship will last forever. As we know, Jesus is that king that will sit on the throne forever. But how do we know this? I mean, obviously, Scripture tells us this in this passage. But let's walk through Scripture, and we're just going to go through it. So Genesis 3. So we're going to flip all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through those several passages in Genesis, and then we're going to look at Isaiah, and then we're going to finish up with Matthew. But Jesus is that king. And we need to realize that this was not always the case, that people didn't always know that Jesus was that king. So in Genesis chapter 3... We're going to read verses 14 and 15. This is when 
after Adam and Eve had sinned and God was judging them and giving them their punishments for their sin, this is the, the punishment for the serpent. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic or wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and you will beat and you and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. The end verse there, the end of that verse, it says, He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. That's referring to Jesus. Jesus crushed Satan's head, which means God is going to get rid of Satan once and for all. Because you take a snake and you crush its head, you're going to kill it, right? But it also says that he's going to strike his heel, which means Satan's going to do damage to the seed. And that was Jesus on the cross. Jesus allowed Satan to use his forces to kill him on the cross for us. So this is the first reference of Jesus in Scripture coming to be our seed, to be the Savior of the world. Right there, Genesis chapter 3. You're only two chapters into the Bible. Right there. Promise. So here's the next one. Genesis 12, verse 3. So skip ahead a couple pages. So now we've gone through time a little bit. We've had some things happen, and the flood has now happened, and now we have Abraham. And God's narrowing this down. So we have this seed promised to the world, and now the world has, been, has this flood has occurred, and Noah is there, and now Noah's family has spread out, and now we have Abraham. And this is talking to Abraham. God's talking to Abraham here. This is uh, Genesis 12, verse 3. It says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All families of the earth will be blessed through you. This is the mention of the seed. The seed would come through Abraham, because it said all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. That includes you and me, because we're all, right? Not just Abraham, not just the people of Israel, but all. And it comes through Abraham. And then we go to Genesis chapter 49. This is the one that people don't know of. So we have our seed, right? Jesus, God promises that seed through, through, through Eve. And then we have um, the seed promised through Abraham, that blessing. And now we have Genesis chapter 49. Now, this is Jacob or Israel because you have, it was promised through uh, Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. But Jacob got a name change. His name was changed to Israel. So this is Israel talking at the end of his life. And he is talking directly to his sons. And this particular son is Judah. So in verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 12, it says, Judah, your brother, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp, grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to arouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He tries his fowl to the grapevine, his colt, his donkey, to a choice vine. He, wishes his clothes, he washes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than the wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Did you catch what it said there about Judah? In verse 10, it says, The scepter will not depart from Judah. 
what normally holds, or who normally holds a scepter? It's a king, right? A king holds a scepter. Well, if Judah, Judah isn't a king, I mean, he's just a son. At, at this point, he's going to end up being a slave soon because they're going to be in Egypt. But it says that through his line, there's going to be kings. Does anybody know who was king over Israel? David. David comes from the line of Judah. So this is a prophecy saying that David, that line is going to come through Judah, and it's going to be David. And it says, no ruler's staff from nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. All nations are going to honor a king that comes from Judah. Catching who this is? This is Jesus. So now we're going to read Isaiah. Isaiah is a little farther. It's, it's after Psalms. We're going to look Isaiah 40, or sorry, Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. So I'll give you a minute to get there. There's a very familiar verse in here that a lot of people read at Christmas time, but I feel they really take it out of context because they pull that one verse out and they're like, yeah, this is an awesome verse. But we're going to read the whole context of that, what that verse is in. So Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. It says, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. Before there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, as, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan Sea and will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will, they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the, oppressor, the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the armies of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned, and they will be fuel for the fire. And here's the verse everybody knows. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end, and they, they will rule with faithfulness and justice from their throne of their ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord, the heaven, of heaven's armies, will make this happen. Did you catch what it said? Not only is it talking about Jesus, that his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, that's the verse we all know when we hear about Christmas time. But it is also foretells of what Jesus is going to do. It says that Jesus is going to walk in Galilee. Jesus was from the town of Nazareth. Nazareth is in Galilee. He made his, head, his, home, his headquarters Capernaum, which is right on the Sea of Galilee. This whole section is all talking about Jesus. So if you look at Jesus' life and you look at this, you can see it back to back. There's Jesus right there. Everything Jesus did, it's a summary. Here's the fun one. <laughs> Matthew, chapter 1. This is the section of Matthew that most people skip because they have a hard time with the names. And I'm going to butcher these names. But that's okay. So, before we get to that point, I want to walk through what we've, do what we've done so far. We've walked through Scripture. We started in Psalm where David is promised that his kingship will last forever. 
this King David will have a king that will rule Israel, and not only Israel, but will rule the world. One day Jesus will come, and he will rule the entire world. And, but then we went back in time, we went back to Genesis. That seed, that promise, was started with Adam and Eve. The seed will come from you, Eve. And then we went to Abraham. Okay, we're narrowing it down. Okay, now the whole, whole world doesn't know where it's coming from. Now it's going to come from Abraham. Abraham, it's going to come from you. And it went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, also Israel. And then Israel says prophecy about his son Judah. Okay, I'm going to narrow it down. Of all, all of Israel, this seed is going to come from Judah. All right, Judah, it's you. And then we get to David, and David is the king. Okay, so now we've got the scepter in the line of Judah. And God says that that scepter will not come out of that, that family. So David will always have someone on the throne, and that happens all the way until the Babylonian exile. And now we get to Isaiah, and Isaiah says, it's still king. Jesus is still coming. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's coming. And now we get to Matthew. Matthew 1, 1 through 17. And I'm sorry if I butcher the names. It says, this is the record of the ancestor of Jesus, of Nat, the Messiah, the descendant of David and of Abraham. The descendant of David. This is a kingship um, genealogy you're going to be reading, or I'm reading. It says, Abraham, the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. We know that already. We got to that part. Here's a bunch of stuff we don't know. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of uh, Herzan. Herzan, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadab. Abinadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Ruth. Did you know that uh, Boaz and Rahab were there? And that Ruth was on the line in genealogy of Jesus? Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. David, the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jerem. Jerem, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah, Josiah the father of Jericham and his brothers, born at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jericham was the father of Shetel, Shetel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abed, Abed the father of Elikim, Elikim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zodak, Zodak the father of Akim, Akim the father of Ehud, Ehud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer, the father of Matin, Matin, the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All these listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now, why in the world... Would Scripture have all of those hard names for us to read? It's so that we can see that this seed, who God promised from the very, very beginning, we would know where it comes from. 
Abraham said, all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. They're not blessed because of Abraham. They're blessed through Abraham because that is where the seed is going to come. It all goes back to Jesus. Everything in Scripture goes back to Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. That's what we say at this time of year, right? Jesus is the reason. And we celebrate a baby coming. But it's not just the baby we need to be celebrating. We need to be celebrating that this baby came to earth not just to live a life, but he came to this earth to live a life to die for us. If Jesus would not have come to live his life for 33 years that he was here, and then if he decided at the last moment, eh, I'm not going to go on the cross, it would be all for nothing. But he didn't. He actually went up on that cross and he died for our sins. Because if the, we didn't have our sins and Jesus to take our place, then we would have to, to have that punishment for ourselves. That's the reality of it. Without Jesus, we would have to have and suffer that penalty. Um, there's a, a guy that does um, a ministry. It's Living Waters. And he goes out and he does um, interviews. And he talks with people about the different things and stuff. He's like, if you have, take the Ten Commandments and you just break one. God judges us by that. We call the moral law. And he has all those Ten Commandments. And if you break one of those commandments, then you have to suffer the penalty or the consequence of your sin. And he goes through and he says, oh, have you done this one? Have you done this one? Have you done this one? And they're like, yeah, I've done that. I've lied. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've thought about bad things in my head. And he goes through. He's like, so admit, you've just admitted that all of these things, that you've broken God's law. And God's law says in Romans that the wages of our sin is death. Wages is what we earn. So we earn death for the bad things and things that we do when we disobey what God's law says. So we have to suffer that consequence, which is death. And death is a separation, of, separation from, from God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be separated from God. The, that is just a, 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 not a place I want to be. And neither does Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to do that either. So Jesus, in his wisdom, as God, said from the very, very beginning, there's a seed coming, and he is going to take that place, that penalty. He's going to step in place and say, hey, I'm going to take that penalty for their sin. Put it on me so they don't have to die. And that's what Jesus did. And that was the plan all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. So everything leading up to this point in Matthew and in Luke, where it talks about Jesus coming as a baby, was all foretold. It's all pointing to Jesus all the way from Genesis chapter 3. Everything. And we look through it. In Genesis with Abraham, and Isaac and Jacob, and Isaiah, and then in Matthew. And you can see all the way through. Jesus is the reason for the season, and we need to celebrate that. Because without Jesus being here, what's the point? What's the point? There's a book um, that my wife likes to read sometimes. And I like to read it because it's fun. To, it, it's ends up being fun to read. It's, Ecclesi it's Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless. You remember that, that that book talks about everything is meaningless. Everything's been done. What's the point? At the end of the book, it shows you the point. The point's Jesus. We all do things here on this world, not for ourselves. At least that's what we're supposed to do. If we're following Christ and have Christ living in our lives, we're supposed to do things for Jesus. Jesus is the reason we live. It's the reason we get out of bed in the morning. It's the reason why we go to work. We do those things to honor and glorify him. Not ourselves, but him because he saved us. I don't know if you, I don't know about you, but if you were on the roof of a house and it was flooded, 
all around, flood all around you, waters around you, and a boat came along, and the person said, hey, come off the roof, come in the boat, I'll take you to dry land. And you go, Psh, I don't want to do that. I'm waiting for Jesus to send me somebody. Okay, and they drive off. And another boat comes along, hey, come off the road, off the building, come on the boat, we'll take you to dry land. Psh, I'm waiting for Jesus, he's going to save me. And a helicopter comes, hey, climb up the ladder. It's okay, I'm waiting for Jesus to save me. We're not looking for Jesus. Jesus sent two boats and a helicopter. Hey, idiot, <laughs> get off the roof. I'm trying to help you. And scripture is full of that. We just need to take the time to realize that Jesus is the reason. If we don't have Jesus, what do we have? Lynn, you can go ahead and come on up. Jesus is the reason. And without that, we have nothing. Jesus loves us so much. I have this next slide here. It says, Jesus is God's gift. John 3.16, we read this earlier. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the best gift that you can get at Christmas, let alone any time. Jesus gave God, or God gave Jesus as that gift. For God so loved the world that he was willing to send his son to die for us. That's just amazing to me. Just amazing. Let me pray real quick. Dear God, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you that Jesus is the reason that we celebrate Christmas and that Jesus is the reason that we get up in the morning. And without him, there's no point. So thank you for sending Jesus as a baby. Thank you for sending him and him having the willingness to die on that cross for our sins. Thank you for letting him take our place. Thank you, Father, for everything you're doing. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.